Blog Talk Radio. Well, bless the Lord, everybody. Bless the Lord. This is Pastor Winfred Burns of Word, Worship, and Witness Ministries uh, saying Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and we are in the new year now, aren't we? Uh, It is a privilege and an honor to be here with you tonight uh, as we begin the Word on Wednesday. Hey, Shalita, how you doing? Um, we're going to go right into our word right away. I just need to clean up one quick thing, and that is to put us on time. I just need to get our, get the timer started so we don't we're not out here all night long. Um, I like doing this because then I hold myself accountable. Hang on for one quick second. Okay. So let's start with a word of prayer, and then we'll get right into it. Uh, Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. We bless you and we praise you for all that you do. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, God, that you lead us and guide us. Now, Father, in Jesus' name, we ask that you would take control of this study, that it's your voice that is speaking, that it's your voice that that resonates deep down in our soul, that you would confirm what we learn, and more than that, that you would just let us know the way that we should go and what we need to do with this word that we have. We bless you and we praise you in Jesus' name, amen. If it seems like I'm a little bit discombobulated, I am because I just rushed in and my wife normally handles certain aspects of getting us started and she had to rush back out. So anyway, no excuses. We're ready to go. We're on fire tonight. So Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, we started it last week, oh, no, was it two weeks ago? We started it, and in this second part of Acts that we're doing right now, the thing that we want to to emphasize is that part two of Acts that begins in chapter 10 is entitled, Whosoever Will, Let Him Come. In the first part of our study, the thing that we saw, uh, the thing that we ended on actually is we ended as the gospel was being spread. Uh, remember the Great Commission from um, um, the 28th chapter of Matthew, where Jesus says, go ye therefore, that thing. Well, what's happening in Acts is we are actually seeing the church that has been commissioned to begins to spread the gospel. Um, first half, one of the things we talked about is what trouble does. They were troubled in Jerusalem because of persecution, and persecution caused the gospel to spread. So then we get to Acts chapter 10. We've introduced Paul already. Now we're back to Peter again, 
And in Acts chapter 10, what we're seeing is yet another paradigm shift. Because in Acts chapter 10, what we saw in the first part of Acts chapter 10 was Peter having this dream of this this great big sheep being let down from heaven with all of these animals on it and these animals. And God says to him, don't call anything unclean that I call clean. And we explained that uh, the last time we were together as God redefining what is clean and what is unclean. Before, um, there were certain people that you couldn't come in contact with. Before, there were certain things that you couldn't eat. There were certain procedures that you had to go through that, that, that would render you, that kept you from being declared unclean. And cleanliness is a ritual state. Cleanliness is a ritual state. Cleanliness involves whether you could get into the presence of God, whether you were fit to be amongst the assembly of the people of God. Uh, there were certain things that if you did them, you were put out, if you, or certain conditions that you had, like leprosy. If you had leprosy, you were separated from the people of God, and you could not come to the temple. You couldn't come to the place where God's presence lingered. You couldn't come into that at all. And now what's happening is there is a paradigm shift because certain people who have been previously thought of to be unclean, God is declaring them clean. And how does he do it? He sets a new standard. And the new standard is based upon their response to the word of God. If you accept the word of God, if God's word comes to you and you receive it, you are declared clean. But if God's word comes to you and you reject it, you're still unclean. And so now cleanliness in the sight of God is based upon, is based upon whether you receive God's word or whether you reject God's word. And that's what we learn in, in, in chapter in the first part of chapter 10. So now the Gentiles who had previously been declared unclean, God is saying to Peter, Peter, don't call nothing unclean that I have called clean. And so we can pick up we can pick up right from there and um, we're, we're going to pick up right from there, and, and and something just flashed on the screen that caught my eye, and, and I got to deal with that too. This this technology is something else. We're going to pick up where we left off. We were in Acts chapter ten, and I believe we were right around the twenty. I'm going to say it's about the twenty second, twenty third verse where I quit at last time. So, tell you what. I hate starting in the middle of a paragraph, so I'm going to start at verse 17, and then we'll work from there. Uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 17. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate 
and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guest. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then, why you sent for me? And Cornelius said, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayers have been, has been heard, and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Now, so the first thing that I want to show you is what's happened here. What's happened is that Peter receives a vision, and then he receives a visit. Cornelius, in the first part of this chapter, we identified who he was. We went through what a centurion was. Um, we also went through who Cornelius was, and we, we found out that he was a devout man, that he was well on his way to possibly becoming a proselyte. The only thing that he was missing was the fact that, number one, that he had not been circumcised, and number two, he had not been baptized. He was doing the things, number one, he believed in God, number two, he, um, he gave alms, and number three, he was a man of prayer. And so those are the basic requirements of be, be, being welcomed into the Jewish community. So the only thing that, this, that, that he couldn't, he didn't have was he didn't have the sign of the covenant, which is circumcision, and he had not been baptized into Judaism. 
Those were the two things he's missing. But God still heard his prayers. And God is going is using this man to usher in this new paradigm of clean versus unclean, who can stand in the presence of God. It says, it says um, uh, uh, um, how's that psalm go? Who can stand in the presence of God? Who can ascend unto his holy hill? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. That, that, that passage um, and last week, the other thing that we did, or two weeks ago, the other thing that we did was we established through Scripture that Jesus has previously announced that um, he has previously announced that there is going to be a new standard. Remember, we went through uh, what it said. What it said uh, when he washed Peter's feet, he says. Look, if I don't wash you, you are clean already. But if I don't wash your feet, he says, uh, you can have no part of me. And then the other part that says, I have washed you through the word. John chapter 15, uh, verse 3, you have been washed by the word. And then Ephesians, where it talks about um, presenting the bride of Christ, where they've been washed by the word. We are declared clean because something went off in behind me. I don't know what it was. Uh, we are declared clean because of, because of the impact of the word and how we receive the word. When we receive the word of God, we're declared clean. So God tells Peter to go with these folks because I'm, they're sending for you. God tells Cornelius, send for Peter. Now, Peter has been obedient. And he goes down to meet with Cornelius. Cornelius is so sure that Peter's coming back with him that he's assembled all of his relatives. And then he said, Peter starts the thing out by saying, you know that it is unlawful for a Jew to get with a Gentile. And what it was was that the Gentiles were considered unclean. So when Peter goes in with the Gentiles, he has now um, he is now considered unclean because he's had contact with a Gentile. And even more than that, he is going to, or he has already dined with Gentiles. And Jews and Gentiles just didn't do that. And there's some there's a lot of underlying hatred in there that we don't see in this Bible. But um, Jews and Gentiles have been warring uh, because of some things that have happened in the wars of the Maccabees. And we don't have Maccabees in our Bible, in the Christian Bible, but Maccabees does show up in the Catholic Bible. Uh, we consider Mac- Maccabees a non-canonical book, but we can use it because it is historically accurate. It's historically accurate. So anyway, so now what Peter is now facing is he's facing these Gentiles. And what does he say? Like I said before, he says, one, it's unlawful, but I've got a new revelation. What's the new revelation? The new revelation says that, uh, and it's at verse 28, the B part of verse 28, 
but God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So now Peter's way of viewing people has been changed because of a revelation from God. And so he says, so when you sent for me, I just came. So now you hear the testimony in verse 30 of Cornelius. The testimony of Cornelius is, look, the reason why I sent for you is because God told me to. I was praying. God, God told, the angel of the Lord came to me and told me, go send for Peter. And now what I need you to do is I need you to tell me what the Lord told you to tell me. And that opens up the door to the gospel. That opens up the door. So you had a willing recipient and a reluctant giver. But God worked on Peter and he told and he turned Peter into a willing preacher. Let me go further. And I'm going, to, I'm going to show the application of all of this at the end, but it's necessary for me to continue to lay the groundwork and just kind of break this apart so we all understand what's being said. So, verse 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Let me go back and, 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 and deal with that fears. Now, in this instance, the word fear does not mean scared of, but instead, this word fear connotes reverence for God. Reverence for God. And then the phrase does what is acceptable speaks to moral uprightness. A person who deals uprightly, who adheres to the commands of God, who adheres to the word of God, that's the individual that is acceptable unto God. So what does it say? Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who reverences him and walks upright before him or does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. And now I'm at verse 37, just in, just in case I'm, I've lost somebody. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed. Look at where Peter's going. He's going all the way back to the baptism of John. John's baptism was for repentance. Again, now we're seeing this word over and over, baptize, baptize, baptize. I'm going to deal with that in a minute. Okay, John's baptism was the baptism of repentance. The baptism of repentance basically was a baptism that says, I am going to change what I'm doing. I'm going to do it God's way. Now, there's a difference between these baptisms, so remember, John's is the baptism of repentance. Now it says, I'm, I'm back at uh, 37. Beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. 
So now he's, he's telling the story of Jesus how Jesus at baptism, and you can go back into the Gospels and read what happened at Jesus' baptism, was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. Remember the Spirit descended on him like a dove? Uh, John the Baptist saw it, and John was foretold foretold to John that he who you see the Spirit descend upon. Remember that? Okay, so he went about doing good, and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. So now John establishes his credibility. John is saying, I was there, I saw it, God, after the resurrection, I saw him, I ate with him, I know that he is alive. And he commanded us, verse 42, and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. To as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to those who believe on his name. So now uh, uh, Peter is preaching, and basically he's giving them the word of faith. And the word of faith basically says that if, in fact, um, you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can be saved. He establishes the relationship with God. Salvation does not come by works of the law, but instead salvation comes by faith in Jesus Christ. That's the message that now Peter has been commanded to give to the Gentiles. Do you see that? And so Peter delivers this message. It is the message that God has commanded him to give to the Gentiles. That's big. Because heretofore, anybody that Peter was preaching to was already of the household of faith. But now he is extending the gospel to the Gentiles, those who were thought to be unclean, those who were not of the nation of the Jews, those who um, who were outside are now being called in. And if we go back through the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, what you hear is God constantly saying to them that all nations will come to me. What John 3.16 tells us is that for God so loved the Jews, the nation of Israel. No, he says the world. And so now you see the worldwide appeal 
of God to come to him by faith. Now you see the qualifications of coming into the presence of God. It is reception of the word of God. It is reception of Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, was with God, and the word was God. Do you see? You see how this is all coming together. And so this word is now extended to the Gentiles, and the Gentiles become clean. How? By their response to the word. Let's go a little further. Verse forty-four. While Peter was still saying these things. The Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. I want to stop right there. So now the Gentiles, have the same Pentecostal experience that Peter, the other disciples, and those who were in the upper room at Pentecost had. I want to just unwrap something real quick. When we talk about the Holy Spirit falling and they are speaking in tongues, it does not mean that they spoke in an unintelligible language, but instead they spoke in a language that they received supernaturally that others understood. The same experience where Parthians and Medes and all of the people that were at Jerusalem heard the disciples and the others speaking in a language that they understood but had never been taught to the disciples. It's, uh, that's, that's what you're experiencing here. There is a difference between um, what happened at Pentecost, them being given a, a language that was distinguishable to man without interpretation, and what happens with the gift of tongues, Notice the gift of tongues where we are speaking in a language that God understands, that we, that's inspired by the Holy Spirit, but man does not discern unless it is give, unless an interpreter is there. You see the difference? And it's important that we understand what's happening here. So God validates the reception of his word. And this is what this is, God validating to the Jewish people that are there that God has accepted the Gentiles, has given them the mark of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, just like he gave it to us. So in this passage, that's what you want to see. You want to see that God is doing the same thing with the Gentiles that he did with the Jewish believers on Pentecost. Okay? Need you, to, you need you to really understand that. Now, for, uh, verse 46, For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing 
these people who have received the Holy Spirit, just as we have. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. So as he delivers the word, the whole, and, and there are believers in the house who receive the word, the Holy Spirit falls upon them. They begin to speak in tongues, and everybody recognizes that the the words that they're saying, that they understand, these are people praising God. And they say, and Peter says, well, wait a second, hold it. What stops them from being baptized? Can anyone give me any reason? And he's talking to the Jewish believers that came down with him. Can anybody give me a reason why they can't be baptized? Now, and he baptizes them in the name of Jesus. Now, there's a lot of controversy about that. When a person is baptized, what they're saying, what baptism uh, symbolizes, first of all, is the, an outward expression of an inward experience. That's the visual of it all. But the practical of it all, and the reason why a person is baptized, is because that person is declaring that he is going to, and baptized in the name of, that person declares that I am about to take on the character and purpose of the name that I've been baptized into. So when you are baptized into someone's name, what you are saying is that I am going to take on that person's character. I am going to relay that person's identity through the way that I live, and I am going to enjoin him in purpose. So what does that, what does that say to the Christian? The Christian who is baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, or in the name of Jesus, because if you're baptized in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Ghost, you're baptized in the name of Jesus. And if you're baptized in the name of Jesus, you're baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, because they're all one. They're all one. And so what you are saying in baptism is, I am going to, I now take on personality, or, and purpose, personality and purpose of the name that I have been baptized in. And you receive the authority to operate in that name according to the purpose of the individual's name that you have been baptized into. So, when we are baptized into the name of Jesus, when we're baptized in the name of the Father, and Son, and the Holy Ghost, what we have is the authority to operate according to his will. It says, heretofore you have asked nothing in my name, ask that your joy might be full. So when we ask for something from God, what we're asking is according to his will, according to his character, and he grants according to his will and according to his character. Now, what, what, what does James say? You have not because you ask not, and when you ask, you ask amiss. That's what that passage means. When you ask outside of the character or will of God, 
That's why God ain't paying attention to it. Make sense? Amen. So, they're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. They now will live according to the purpose of God. What does this mean to us? What does this mean to us? And I need to wrap it up because I'm right on I'm right on time now. Well, first of all, it means that racism, sexism, uh, or any other kind of ism is not a reflection of God. That we who serve the purpose of God have no business rejecting anyone. No business rejecting anyone because God will call according to his will and his purpose. And so whosoever will, whosoever hears that word of God and responds positively, the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, anybody of any nationality, any color, any creed who hears the word of God and responds, God declares them clean. And just like he says, like he said to Peter, don't you call nothing unclean that I've called clean because I am sanctifying them by my word. That's number one. Second thing that we need to understand is this. God is doing through these obedient servants is he is spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And finally, when we were baptized, we were baptized and we received Christ and we should be a reflection of his character and his purpose and we are authorized to, uh, uh, as I say, we have the authority to operate according to his character and purpose. And anything that we need to operate according to his character and person, all we do is ask and we'll receive it. Amen? That's Acts chapter 11. And what you're, again, what we're seeing is the spread of the gospel, and we saw it through Stephen. We saw it through, uh, uh, um, uh, what's the guy's name, um, Philip. And now, and now we're, we've, seen, we've seen a little bit of Paul. We'll see more of Paul later on. And we're seeing Peter spread the gospel. You see, folk, what we're really all about is spreading the gospel. That's our mission. That's our purpose, spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we're not spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're not reflecting the purpose of Jesus. We are not operating as Jesus would operate. If we're not extending ourselves in love, we're not operating as God would have us to operate. If we are practicing discrimination, we're not operating as God would have us to operate. If we are saying that, Homosexuals are not welcome in the church. We are not operating according to the word of God 
and the ways of God. If we're saying that um, young people who come in with sagging pants or a person who doesn't know all of the signs, symbols, stand up, sit down, raise your hand, don't raise your hand, uh, money and no money, if we're if we are not operating and being welcoming to all people who respond to the word of God, we're not operating the way God wants us to operate. And that is tragic. So what do we do? We confess the fact that hey, we ain't did it the way you want it done. We ask God to reveal to us how do you want it done, and he's revealed it through his word. And then we say, we get to work on it. We start practicing it. We start practicing it, and we let the Holy Spirit do his thing in us. Amen? Hey, that's all I have for you tonight. Uh, let's have a word of prayer. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. We bless you and we praise you, for you are good and your mercy endures forever. Wow. God, you open your arms to us and you open your arms to all people. And we thank you for that. We thank you for choosing us because we didn't choose you. You looked at us, God, and you loved us so much that you availed yourself to us. You opened our eyes and opened our ears. You changed our heart that we might become sons and daughters of yours. Now help us, Father. Help us to extend you to others. Help us to to spread your word, just like Peter, and just tell everybody who Jesus is and what he did for us and how he opened up the door for us to come to you. God, please do that for us. Make us your servants. Make us not just willing servants, but obedient servants. We bless you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, quickly, any questions? I forgot to ask if there was any questions because I got on a roll and I just kept going and going and going and going and going. If you got any questions, um, if, you're on Glo- if you're on Global Drive Network, you can call me at 929-477-2304. And if you are on Facebook Live, you could just tap that question in right at the bottom. And y'all know I don't play. Y'all know I'm not playing because I'm at 39 right now, and I probably probably took me three minutes up front to get started and three minutes of praying and now about maybe two, three minutes on the back end. So I'm right on my limit of 30 minutes. Going once, going twice. Well, that's it for me this week. Next week we'll be in uh, Acts chapter 11. We'll continue the series, Whosoever Will, Let Him Come. Uh, this video will be available through YouTube probably sometime in the early part of next week uh, for those who uh, missed it. Um, and I usually you know, put the scriptures and everything in there. For those who... Um, who, who um, want to join us on our daily appointments with God, um, the, what I need you to do is I need you to go to the YouTube channel and subscribe. 
uh, hit the subscribe button on the YouTube channel. Uh, I'll put at the end of this video um, that once it goes live, um, there'll be a button that you can um, hit and go there. But this has been a wonderful evening. I praise God for each of you. Um, and I'm just asking that you would continue praying with me, continue studying with me. And more than anything else, why don't you, you know, just share. Just share this Bible study because a lot of people really want to, want to um, participate in Bible study, but they can't. But they can't. Um, travel, all kinds of circumstances. But here's one that they can participate in. And I'm just praying that you guys will um, will do that. Well, I bless you, and I praise God for you, and I'll see you next week with the Word on Wednesday as we move through Acts chapter 11. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening. Be blessed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.